Greetings, and welcome to At Home with Economics. I'm your host, Bo Garcia, Dean of Community Education and Workforce Development at Lansing Community College. At Home with Economics is a space where we explore business, workforce, and community development initiatives and how they impact our daily lives. Today, we'll be interviewing my colleague and friend, Chad Bordczyk. Welcome, Chad, and thank you for being with us today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Now, Chad, before we get started, let me tell our listeners just a little bit about you. Now, Chad is a Director of Corporate Training and Continuing Education overseeing the Business and Community Institute, also known as the BCI. Prior to becoming Director of the BCI, Chad has been in many account management type roles where he has learned what it means to provide solutions and serve customers well. His former position was actually as a business development manager in the BCI, where he now serves as director. Chad earned his Master's of Business Administration, Salesforce Certified Administrator Certification, and has become a Certified Scrum Master. So uh, as we begin, Chad, the BCI, can you give us an overview of what the Business and Community Institute, or BCI, does? Absolutely. I like to think of us as a solution provider in general. We offer customized, deliver training, coaching, and consulting across our region. As it relates to Lansing Community College, we're a large part of the non-credit area. But when it comes to the way that we work with our community, uh, we're actually a, a very valuable resource for businesses, nonprofits, public sector entities, associations, healthcare organizations across the board. Basically, we work with everybody in our region. And just as we partner with people, we have found examples of the things that we're able to do for them beyond, I mean, the high level training, coaching, consulting concept. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're able to increase productivity, Hmm. basically improve things like employee retention, which right now that's a big one. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people are struggling uh, with retention of employees and finding people. And so when you think of one thing I'd love to point out on just that piece is, you know, when we think about what we do for our employers and those companies or the organization itself, it's also important to remember it isn't just about the company or organization. Many individuals have this sort of this natural desire, you know, for growth and personal development. Mm-hmm. And so you think about retention, being able to provide those kinds of things is a big part of that, right? And we found, you know, with uh, organizations in general, the ones that seem to be succeeding the best in the the retention area Mm -hmm. are the ones that are growing from within. So they're -hmm. they're providing the training, they're giving the skill sets to those individuals to help them to grow and become better and then be elevated within the organization. So that's a big thing. But at any rate, other things, you know, helping with effective communication, creating operational efficiencies, Mm. uh, developing stronger leadership, in general, just helping them, you know, with their future workforce. So all in all, you know, more efficient, more effective, better communication, things like that for those companies. We also do reach out, try to provide solutions in working with different programs, such as incentives, Mm -hmm. uh, tax incentive programs, any other types of funds that may be available written in legislation. And there's a couple of those right now like the Michigan New Jobs Training Program and uh, the Going Pro Talent Fund. So we'll work really heavy with companies to make those successful for the company. Beautiful. That, you know, Chad, is highly relevant. If I were an employer, and you know, this is music to my ears, it's all about employee retention. And to whatever degree I need to invest in my employees to upskill and, and retain, that's not an expense. That's investment. That's good stuff, Chad. Thank you. You said something about creating efficiencies. What do you mean by that? Well, it's kind of one example of the many ways uh, of what we offer, what we're here for, the many things that we do. So as a solutions provider, we would help any organization 
identify ways to become more efficient. I think everybody can kind of understand what efficient means. You know, mm-hmm. um, we might buy a, a vehicle that gets better gas mileage because we want to be more efficient, right? So we right. save money on gas. Right. Uh, when it comes to organizations, though, ultimately efficiencies can be looked at as the ability to achieve a goal with less, right? And right. so when we do that, we look at the issues that we face as an organization or a business, and we find, you know, less cost, less time, less effort, all of those things add to the bottom line. Right. So we have a large amount of quality systems types of training and things like that, that help companies identify those things. Ultimately, what we call it in the quality world is reducing waste. Right. You know, if we're walking across a office or something to get a supply every single time we need a supply, as opposed to having this fly right next to us, mm-hmm. simple elementary example, sure. but saves a lot of time, saves a lot of effort, especially now when maybe companies don't have as much capacity and so they're looking for more people but in the meantime they've got to do as much work with less as they can so that's kind of the idea of helping companies to build with efficiencies that's such a critically important concept i mean efficiency goes to increased productivity reduced operational inefficiencies what's that mean for the company profitability so even from the numbers game that is that's great information thank you now in terms of you know the companies you work with how do you decide who to work with Oh, great question. So we have a region we call the SLICE region. So it's an acronym for a number of counties, but we work with anybody within that region. Mm-hmm. So it can be any organization or business. We say business and organization because there's you know a lot of nonprofits, there's a lot of healthcare organizations and things that don't consider themselves a business, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we have to learn a lot of the same skills and things in order to be efficient and effective in our various sectors. So the SLICE region is our region, and that acronym stands for Shiawassee, Livingston, Ingham, Ionia, Clinton, and Eaton counties. And within those counties, we work with all business sectors and all sectors alike. So, for example, manufacturing is a sector that's probably the biggest in Ingham County, Mm -hmm. right, because we've got all the manufacturing facilities, uh, healthcare, information technology, and communications, Sectors like financial services, insurance, construction, transportation. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. If you have a front door, then we can work with you. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. That is quite diverse and and, uh, great breadth and depth in terms of uh, who you work with. And well, that's fantastic. Now, um, can you maybe give us real life examples of any companies you've worked with? Oh, absolutely. First, let me just say that we typically provide anywhere from around 400 to 500 uh, training programs uh, and then somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 to 5,000 training participants annually. That is is amazing. Yeah. Four four to 5,000 individuals annually. That is incredible. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we, we work really hard to be the best resource that we can possibly be for our region. And I've not seen any year, uh, I'll just say this, where we were below 97.5% customer satisfaction. Whoa, say that that one more time. Yeah, I'll say it differently. Every year I've been here, we have been at or above at least 97.5% customer satisfaction. Phenomenal. That is, congratulations. That is, that's, that's humble. That's, in effect, I mean, well. I'm just impressed. Yeah, we're very proud of it. We work very hard um, and we continually do the same thing, right? We look for every efficiency Mm -hmm. we can with our team internally. And we sort of try to practice what we preach, so to speak, when we're providing our services. To your question, as far as actual real life examples, I would probably start with my favorite, not to pick favorites, but (laughs) this is definitely my favorite. And it's because of the work that they do. Uh, Dean Transportation is an organization that we've worked with for a long, a long time. Mm -hmm. And Kelly Dean, Fred Doker, what an awesome organization. Wonderful people. 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 I I know I'm leaving a lot of people out there, but they're they're outstanding. Mm -hmm. And among other things, they provide transportation 
for children with severe impairments. Mm -hmm. So while the bus drivers don't have to have a special license, say for healthcare or some of the other things that they might come across when they're on a bus, the leadership, Kelly and all of the leadership over there, they think very highly and they take very good care to make sure that every one of those individuals mm-hmm. is well cared for and gets to the school or the facility safely, right? Beautiful. And so they do a lot of internal training, a lot of different types of trainings. One of the trainings that they have worked with us on, there's actually a number of trainings in the terms of healthcare because they do work with these children that have impairments. And so they want their bus drivers to be educated mm-hmm. on how to understand the population of people they have on the bus, what to do if there's an emergency, all those kinds of things, right? So they've worked with us and we've been able to create a process where we actually, it's not just training. We we coordinate with all of their locations. They have over 40 locations. Wow. We do all the coordinating, the scheduling uh, with their contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, we And we deliver all the healthcare training for all of their locations, for all of their people. They have well over 2,000 wow. employees. And so we've developed customized modules for them. Uh, we provide a school bus healthcare training for them Great. and various uh, modules and things. And so that's been a real um, wonderful partnership. And we've mm-hmm. really appreciated being able to provide that. It's It's been kind of a vested interest for me. I yeah. really appreciate them. That's fantastic. Um, another example, engineering companies, there's a specific manufacturing company that's also engineering and they create specialized equipment mm-hmm. for manufacturers. And at one point they had created a very custom piece of equipment for a major automaker hmm. that you and I would know quite really? well. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and so they create this equipment, right? And then, and then it gets implemented in the automaker's production line. Mm-hmm. Well, in this process, uh, they need user manuals. They need all the stuff that you would imagine that having anything would be provided. So mm-hmm. we developed a user manual wow. to be used by the automaker, the folks that are using the equipment. Great. Not only that, but we provided the training to explain the manual, mm-hmm. right? And right. then also help them to implement it. And so all of those pieces, you know, it comes with not just writing up a manual, but actually assessing, mm-hmm. you know, looking at the piece of equipment, understanding what it is, mm-hmm. understanding the potential complications, if there were to be any that somebody might run into, and then uh, delivering that in that sort of package. Wow. So. I guess the last example I might give, uh, just because it's a, another unique example, is just sheer volume. Mm-hmm. We've worked with General Motors with the Michigan New Jobs Training Program right. and provided millions of dollars worth of training, Excellent. whether it be vendor training or specific training or help them with internal training. Mm-hmm. Either way, we uh, help them to roll out a very, very big project uh, through MNJTP. They focus highly on the safety of their employees a lot of skilled training like FANUC robot mm-hmm. training, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, we're a solution provider. Mm-hmm. Those are several examples of large-scale, unique projects that we've worked with. I think a lot of cases, organizations across our region don't really understand that we can do those kinds of things. Right. And so we've had a lot of success in that area. If it's okay, I actually have a brochure here that I would love to read a couple examples of sure. some testimonies. That'd be great. Uh, because it, it obviously speaks to the way that we're working with organizations. Great. One is from a practice administrator of a healthcare organization, a medical practice. And this person, uh, he basically says, the training and expertise provided by BCI has been invaluable to our medical practice. The outstanding instructors customized training to our environment resulting in enhanced and sustained operational efficiencies, process improvement, and patient experience, which is pretty outstanding. Wow, that's impressive. 
Yeah. A second one is from a human resources director from a manufacturing facility. And she says that BCI has impacted our engagement with our employees. We have been provided excellent service and follow-up top-of-the-line trainers and a more knowledgeable workforce. We turn to BCI for the majority of our training needs for hourly and salary employees. Wow. So just a couple examples there. But that, you know, that's impressive. It's one thing for you two to tell us about you. It is another thing for your customers to tell us about you. And I'm particularly impressed by the breadth and depth and the range of your customer base. I know you cited just a handful of examples, but uh, I'm sure you work with many other other companies that feel the same way. Go into that just a bit more, Chad. You know, types of trainings that maybe you do, whatever type of coaching or consulting that you provide, please. Sure. To be fully transparent, I don't know that there's a training out there that we couldn't provide. We have an exceptional Great. team. Great. Um, so we've got a lot of resources, but I would say in general, when you think in terms of training, organizational consulting, coaching, assessment, mm, business, okay. human resource development, uh, wow. things like leadership training and soft skills, we definitely work with information technology and computer systems. I mean, everything from say cybersecurity, Red Hat, programming languages, wow. things like that. Healthcare, we found CPR right now is a huge demand sure. uh, with all the hype now yeah, in sure. that area, which is great. Quality and quality management systems. This is what I was talking about, efficiencies and really learning how to save and cut waste uh, and save costs. Mm-hmm. Technical and skilled trades, a huge, huge area. I mean, that's anything from geometric dimensioning and tolerancing and, mm-hmm. and, and CNC machines and mm-hmm. blueprint reading, things of that nature. Yeah in across the board. But like I said, I mean, that's a, a, a big breakdown of the different things that probably are, are very popular. We do a lot to customize training. So we've got a great team, tons and tons of instructors, many certifications, different types of certifications, highly experienced instructional developers, performance improvement specialists, subject matter experts across the board. And then we have a, a great team of technicians, support personnel, project managers, people that we that we come together and all, and we have all kinds of connections and resources. And basically that's what we do. We leverage every, wow. every area of that. So that is phenomenal. I was impressed before. And now having heard that, I'm even more so impressed. And in terms of the training and, and coaching and, and the consulting that you're doing, what's that environment like right now? Well, we have a very, very flexible environment. So we offer a lot of flexibility in every way. So we, we have a combination of options So for example, online, we have video-based training that we could do. So this would be like at your own pace kind of thing. We can create that. Face-to-face online Mm -hmm. um, is another option, obviously, with the inception of the whole issue with COVID and a Mm -hmm. lot of more work, remote work and things like that. Uh, We've learned about efficiencies for some companies who have remote workers. Mm -hmm. At our facilities at the BCI, we do in-person training right there at our classrooms. We've got some great facilities Mm -hmm. at the company or organization's uh, site. Okay. So a lot of times companies will say, hey, it's a lot easier for me just to have you come here. We've got a training space that we can use. Or maybe it's hands-on training for equipment that they have, specialized equipment they have that we need to teach them about. So. A combination of any of those options that we can do any of that, for example, you know, with CPR, this is, again, a unique thing that's happening right now where we are seeing the desire for individuals to sort of train online. So the CPR, AED, first aid, normal training that we would do for five hours in a classroom, Mm -hmm. they are able to access that online to learn the subject matter. Okay. And there are videos and things like that, but it's at their own pace. They mm-hmm. learn the material and so forth. And then they come in in person to do their skills-based checkoff. Excellent. And so that is a very 
convenient option mm -hmm. as well. And mm -hmm. we also, of course, offer the same CPR AED first aid classes in person. Mm -hmm. So for that four or five hours, it depends on the needs of the person, right? So it's all about customization, flexibility, and identifying what each organization or company needs and what fits their mm -hmm. schedule best. I would also say any shift, any day, and so forth. So, you know, we might have a 24 hour training and a company says, look, I can offer to have each team in there for four hours mm -hmm. a week. And so we roll it out for six weeks. We do four hours mm -hmm. one day every week for six weeks or, or however that works. Right. I mean, that's Same. kind of the idea. And then, you know, as far as the online piece, our platform is fully online. So we can actually offer all the training materials, the videos, meetings, everything fully online mm -hmm. as needed. Uh, obviously, that was especially helpful when a lot of people sent their employees home during COVID and things like sure, that. Sure, so. sure. You know, Chad, what I am immensely impressed with is how adaptable and responsive it sounds like the BCI is. So, Chad, how do you work with companies to identify their needs? It sounds like you're immensely responsive, and part of that is going to be making sure that you hear the pain points accurately. That's a great question. You know, it's kind of like the question of what keeps you up at night, mm, right? right? I mean, right. Um, it might not just be a problem. A lot of times that the problem is what we're trying to solve, but at the same time, it could be a problem to solve or a goal to achieve, right? And mm. so really it's kind of a simple concept. It's not easy, right? right? But it's a simple concept. And so what we do is we analyze the gap. And basically that just means that we're going to work with organizations. We're going to sit down with them and we're going to, first of all, for example, if it's say a performance issue, right? We're going to sit down and we're going to ask them to describe the actual performance that's happening now, right? Mm -hmm. And then after we get some good feedback from that, we're also going to then ask them to describe the desired performance. Mm -hmm. And the difference between those two things obviously is the gap. Like I said, it's, sure. this is pretty simplistic, but it's just not always easy to solve. Very much so. And so that gap then begs the question, is it a skill deficiency, mm -hmm. right? So right. that's the next question is, is if it's a skill deficiency, then obviously the training considerations are there for what is the skill they need to learn or understand or get better at. And mm -hmm. we can create whatever training customized to that specific skill. So for example, if I were thinking about an Excel training, somebody might not need to just sit in a full eight hour Excel class. Mm -hmm. They might just need specific training on some specific formulas, sure. right? So that's an example that yeah. probably most people can get is Excel. So this can be very complex skills. It can be anything. But the idea here is what is the skill? Is it required often? Is there a technology that's changing in your company? I mean, we're going to be really fully rolling out the assessment. Mm -hmm. And through that, then we're going to look at formal training options to increase that person's skills. If it's a situation where there's a need for on-the-job assistance, mm -hmm. then we can do what we call train the trainer, mm -hmm. right? So we can take the people in the organization that would be sort of the supervisor or the people that are going to be responsible for that on-the-job assistance, mm -hmm. and we can train them. We can create a customized training to train them on how to help mm -hmm. their individuals with the training and the on-the-job assistance. Excellent. There's, a, of course, layer upon layer upon layer across the skill deficiency piece because there's all kinds of skills and all kinds of needs. However, if it's not a skill deficiency, then we have to go to the other considerations, right? So like, for example, motivation. Mm -hmm. Is it a motivation issue? Why would it be a motivation issue? Mm -hmm. You know, do we uncover that maybe there's some communication concerns, uh, expectations are unclear. Maybe there needs to be, uh, and again, how do we solve it? training, coaching, consulting. Mm -hmm. But the idea here is that when those expectations are unclear, we're going to work with leadership, supervisors, people across the board in order to help them to fill the gap. 
So for example, a lot of people like to call it training and that's what it is. It is training, Mm -hmm. but we can also call it a learning solution because we're not just set. We, we have all kinds of trainings that are what we call off the shelf. Sure. You want an Excel one training, come on over. We'll do an Excel one training. If you're just looking for general training, but we also focus on customizing that Mm -hmm. so that it is an exact learning solution for the need for either the goal that they're trying to achieve Mm -hmm. or the problem they're trying to solve across the board. And this is organizational wide. We've worked with a hospital to do lean organizational development across the organization. Excellent. Created two major teams, led the teams in training, helped them do mapping, all this kind of thing. And then we took the champions and we gave them specific coaching to become lean certified. I mean, just things like that, right? And so Mm -hmm. another example of that solution is that it isn't necessarily just about, oh, let's do a leadership training. We've worked with an organization in regards to stronger leadership Mm -hmm. as a top-down approach. Mm -hmm. Forgive the expression, but when we say that, we mean all the way from chief executives all the way down in org chart, right? So we look at it that way. And so when we look at that, we may provide executive coaching, and then we're going to infuse some effective leadership training into that, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we're going to hit the mid-tier management with emerging leadership. Mm -hmm. Great. And then we're going to do things for new leaders, like excelling as a new leader supervisor training. And then maybe if there are a lot of people in the organization, obviously that are not going to be supervising or overseeing people, then we'll do communication training, oral, Mm -hmm. written, email, and behavior assessments and things like that. So people can understand the differences. So you can see how it's not just about, oh, well, we need leadership training. It's about the entire solution for the organization or the business that is in need of achieving that goal or solving that problem. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That was phenomenal. I mean, there's organizational development in there. There's strategy. There's tactical. There's execution, implementation. I mean, a lot of times when initiatives fail, it's it's all about execution and implementation. And it sounds like your team will help uh, navigate those choppy waters throughout the organization so that at ground zero, where the action really is, the expectations are already set and the predictability is there and the consistency is there. And, you know, that's that leads to... Again, to your previous point, you know, increased productivity, efficiencies, and profitability. Wow, just excellent. Thank you, Chad. Last question. How does someone with interest or questions get in touch with you? Oh, great question. So we've got a number of business development managers that are specialized in different areas. And so the easiest way, really, and and then we can field that, but the easiest way is to go ahead and send an email to bci at lcc.edu. I'll say that again, bci at lcc.edu. If you desire to speak to me, I'm totally happy and open to that. Just go ahead and mention that in the email and I'll be more than happy to reach out and connect. Well, thank you so much, Chad, for sharing some fantastic information about the BCI and how it helps companies grow and supports our regional workforce. Excellent stuff. And thank you all for the pleasure and privilege of your time. This has been your host, Bo Garcia. I look forward to sharing time with you again soon. Have a tremendous day. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. 
LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. When you need to check the weather forecast, make restaurant reservations, or avoid rush hour traffic, chances are you turn to your smartphone for real-time information and up-to-the-minute help. Imagine a smart city that would keep the buses running on time. Manage the use of energy to prevent brownouts and schedule on-time repair of an aging infrastructure. It's all part of putting the power of information to work for you in giant leaps compared to your smartphone's baby steps. Planners are making cities smart today and even smarter tomorrow, delivering the services you need and creating the communities you want. To learn more about smart cities and work with the folks who are putting the power of information to work for you, go to planning.org. That's planning.org. A message from this station and the American Planning Association. Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu slash fresh start. We're celebrating one year of LCC Connect, Lansing Community College's first podcast platform dedicated to keeping you connected with LCC and your community. Catch the vibe by visiting us at lccconnect.org and then click on the Celebrate tab to check out photos, videos, and find out how you can get involved. We are LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. It's time for another edition of Equity. Equity is a play on words spelled E-Q-U-I-T-E-A. Why? Because I just love sharing a good cup of tea. Equity is designed to provide you with tips on issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion to enhance your everyday life. Today on Equity, we're going to look at policies and procedures for developing a diverse workforce. I'll say it again, policies and procedures for developing a diverse workforce. Here's three easy tips. First, begin to make sure that your hiring team is a diverse team. You can't get what you don't really model. Facilitating the hiring process is so very important when you have a diverse search team that is looking at job fairs, hiring constituencies, and community outreach programs to advertise the job posting. So make sure that you're facilitating the process with a diverse team. Tip number two. We understand the importance that it really pays when employees are paid. So make sure that your pay equity within your organization reflects the diverse jobs 
roles, and models the trends that are in our society. Don't allow gender, race, or sexual orientation to put you off as a decision maker in the hiring process or diversifying your workforce. Make sure that you are going for cultural ad versus cultural fit. And lastly, when developing or creating policies for a diverse workforce, remember that different cultures and difference matters. Representation matters. Ensure that your employees that are currently a part of your team are also reflective of the team that you want to have at your organization. Celebrate holidays, celebrate cultural days, and make sure that your diverse workforce reflects the values of those that work in that environment. These are a couple of tips that I hope that you will use when you're thinking of putting your company policies or practices together for a more diverse workforce. Now go ahead and grab your favorite cup of tea and take a sip on all of these great tips. This has been another edition of Equa Tea. We'll see you next time. Sharing the voices of Lansing Community College. Visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Coming in April to the Black Box stage, Lansing Community College Performing Arts presents Tartuffe, a classic comedy play written by Moliere. This play revolves around Tartuffe, who is a fraud and pious imposter that manages to win the respect of a prominent household, only to follow up with scandalous deeds. Tartuffe will be featured April 12th through the 16th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash show info. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination. Our honesty. Our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Explore college on your terms. Summer registration opens March 28th at lcc.edu slash get started. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A. And you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? 
Okay, let's go see who's today's star. I'm so excited about today's guest. He's someone I've known for a long time, and he's been an important part of my community. This star is a professor here at Lansing Community College and Davenport University. He's earned a PhD in international and comparative education from Michigan State University and has taught for 50 years, 14 in the K-12 system, and 40 years as an adjunct professor. He has spent 40 years in public health as a consultant in areas of health education, statistics, chronic disease control, community organizing, quality control for Medicaid screening and minority health. He has been published in several journals and books and has traveled extensively to Africa and the Caribbean, as well as to Australia, Europe, South America, and Asia, gathering material for the African World Museum and Resource Center, of which he is a curator and director. This star has also served as a board member of an African-centered school named Malcolm X. Now, you're going to have to help me with this real quick. How do you say the full name? It's El-Hajah? El-Hajah Malik El-Shabazz. Thank you. For 25 years and in the naming of a street from Malcolm X in Lansing. He has coordinated tours to Tanzania, Jamaica, and helped develop sister and friendship city relationships in Ghana and Tanzania, respectfully. He retains an active membership in many African and African-American organizations and others, including the Lansing Juneteenth Scholarship and Education Committee, and enjoys the distinction. Are you guys ready to meet today's star? Get our drum roll, please. Today's star is Dr. Willie Davis. Let's give him applause. <laughs> Dr. Davis, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. I'm just excited that you're here. I'm glad to be here. So, hey, let's, <laughs> let's roll. Let's roll. <laughs> so I've known Dr. Davis for a long time. He's been a really important part, I would say, to the African-American community here. He's just had a lot of projects, programs, different things to teach people and get them engaged. And so that's why I'm really excited to have you here. And my first question is, can you tell me a little bit about who you are and what is important to you in your life right now? I believe I'm a adventurer and uh, also you might call a, a scholar activist. And I like to see things move, especially trying to get black people the resources that they need to move ahead. And also to other folks as well, too, especially if you help folks who need it the most, it also helps bring what's at the bottom up. So trying to make things a little bit more balanced. And you have done that in our community. Mm -hmm. You say you've been teaching 50 years. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. I know it. And you're still going. But I want to ask you about the all-around-the-African-world 
Museum and Resource Center. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Why you start that? Well, I've been lucky. I've traveled to all the continents. And so I had to put a lot of uh, picture albums together. Mm -hmm. and But I said, nobody ever looks at picture albums. So maybe I could take some of the pictures and uh, put them on the walls, you know, blow them up mm -hmm. and add some of the artifacts and things that I've gathered and put them all together. And I actually started the museum at El Hajj Malik El Shabazz Academy. And then when we changed administrators, they brought in some of their own artwork for the school. So I said, well, let me just take it and over, you know, into the neighborhood that I live in. And That's how I got it started. So people can tour it? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. They look you up online? Yeah, uh, online, as well as um, we're listed in the booklet that the uh, Chamber of Commerce comes out with, with all of the museums and other things that are in the community. Okay. So, we list, so we're online as well. I think that's cool that you wanted something and you started it. Mm -hmm. You seen a need and you wanted yeah. to do it. Yeah, you do it, you know, do it yourself. Or, that's know, right. If it needs to be done. It needs to get done. You don't, You have to you depend have to on yourself, yourself. sometimes to get it done. Yeah. Well, tell me about what your work is at LCC and why you're so passionate about it and you keep coming. Well, I love to teach. Teaching is not only my vocation, it's my avocation. Mm -hmm. I think I was just meant to be a teacher, so I just thought I'd just teach as long as I can, never stop. And so I had a chance to teach at the college level, and I kind of like the community college because you get to meet people within the community as well as, as students because you got a lot of students who are older, you mm -hmm. know, um, different ethnicities, you know, different uh, levels of participation, you know, working mm -hmm. as well, raising families. So you get to really feel like a part of the community where I think sometimes the university kind of is a little more aloof, you know, away from the community. What subjects do you teach? I teach uh, education courses. I teach sociology courses, mostly sociology courses now. Yeah, I know um, I have a lot of students that's taken your intro to sociology mm -hmm. and they enjoy the class and mm -hmm. they like it and they feel that they've gotten something from your, mm -hmm. from your course. Does your job make you feel happy and fulfilled? Why or why not? It does. It's, it's good to do what you love, actually get compensated for what you love to do, too. That's that's great as, as well, too. And you get a chance to impact people. And I just think of, you know, I've encountered thousands of students in my life, so mm -hmm. I hope to have had some type of uh, impact to kind of give them something that they could use. Oh, yeah, so, I'm, I'm sure you mm -hmm. have. What made you decide to become a teacher? Actually, uh, I would have to say my ex-wife, got me into teaching. She was kind of looking for, at that time, since I was going to school, uh, something that would get me a job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that had a lot to do with it. And then when I kind of got into it, I found out I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the impact that you can make on so many people. Yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. What energizes you about your career? People. <laughs> I just love people, and uh, and I love to uh, be around people. 
I love to influence people and be influenced by people. And it's a learning process. I think I learn as much as I teach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet. So I'm always in a constant state of, of learning and teaching. Okay, well, let me ask you, what's one work-related thing you want to accomplish in the next year? Work-related. Teach African-American studies again. Oh, okay. Uh, introduction to African-American studies. That Especially be- since this uh, controversial topic is well now, too. Oh, it is, uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and so-, so, so I've taught it, but we've always had trouble with students taking it because it really, you know, it was more an elective course. And mm-hmm. so getting people to take it. But I thought maybe now you know, get a lot of play. Yeah, and be irrelevant. So so I think that that's what I would do uh, work-related and just keep on teaching, you know. Mm -hmm. Keep impacting people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's rewarding, you know, to myself to give and be given to. Right. No, Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that you do a lot for our community, and I feel like teaching the students, if that's something you're passionate about, it shows, Mm -hmm. and... And it keeps you going, evidently, because you've been teaching for 50 years. Yeah. And then there's also another aspect of teaching. That's formal education, in-school class education. But I like the non-formal education, too, out-of-school education, okay. like working on projects. And, and in fact, I also was a professional a public health consultant, too, in health education as well, too. Yeah, so I, was, I taught health education as well. That's uh, what I was looking at, at mm-hmm. in the intro. Mm-hmm. You talked about a, a lot of the things that you've done as far as focusing on public health. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? Well, Is that um, part of the sociology uh, aspect? Well, no, what happened was um, I was working on my doctorate degree, and I was working on it in vocational education, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rather than you know, what we might call it academic, of course, but, you know, voc ed, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of farming and other things like that and uh, other aspects of, of vocational ed. And so I got a job working for the health department. That's really as a statistician. So I've done a lot of different things. So I got a job as a statistician, and I was working at the health department, and so I was international compared to education, and they had a big library there. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, wow, health is a vocation. Since I'm working at the health department, why don't I go into voc ed? Okay. So, uh, or health ed, I'm sorry, going to health ed. So that's what kind of got me into health education, and I worked at the health department. When I got my degree a couple years later, I just moved into other areas in the health department, and I was still working part-time at LCC. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that as a full-time job as a public health consultant. I actually retired as a public health consultant. Oh, okay, and then you've taught here part-time. Yeah, I've been teaching here part-time for 42 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. You worked a lot of jobs. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I worked a lot of jobs, a lot of things. Plus your outside interests. Even Uber sometimes. Not I don't Uber much anymore, but, yeah, I've done a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Hey, you just keep busy, don't you? Got to keep going, got to keep going. Well, on that note, do you volunteer at all? Oh, yeah, I'm in a number of organizations, you know, like with Juneteenth. And here I'm with the, uh, I'm chairing the um, Global Awareness uh, Committee. I work with Sister Cities. 
I work with a number of organizations, National Black Political Front, uh, Ask Act Association for the Study of Classical Africa, All Healers Mental Health Alliance. So I'm in a number of, of organizations. How do you, how do you have the time to do all this? Just do it. I you just guess. don't think about it. You yeah. just do it. Just try to just try to disperse my time until this last year when I started working full time again. I had a lot of time to kind of do a lot of the organizational type things. Oh, okay. And uh, and actually, that's what my my doctor degree was in terms of health education uh, was uh, working with community groups. Mm. So I continue to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I'm learning. I'm <coughs> learning so much about you that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I just knew I seen you. I knew you were part of education. And I just remember, you know, growing up, you were always giving out knowledge. So I knew we was going to be around you. We was going to learn something. Thank you. Thank and so that was an important thing. And I think that, you know, and you're still doing that 50 some odd years later. So, Okay, you volunteer, you work on 100 million jobs. Do you have a hobby? Well, I still play basketball a little bit, and I roller skate. Oh, really? I roller skate weekly. You do? Generally twice a week. I try to play basketball twice a week, too. Okay. But generally by myself, you know. Uh, play, but I don't really play competitive anymore. Yeah, at least you out there still trying to move around mm-hmm. and shoot up and do all that kind of stuff. So what is some of the best advice that you have learned in your life so far? It's better to give than to receive and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What goes around comes around. <laughs> yeah, you that's say, essentially it. You say those are yeah, really true, yeah, huh? Yep, yeah, that's it. And try to, to balance your life off with uh, things that will keep you going, keep you um, interested. Try to give as much as you can. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you seems, get it back. Yeah. It's Whatever like, you give out, you get back. It seems like that's what you've done your whole life, like been a giver. Mm-hmm. You want to give yeah. to the community, give to the students. But how did you get so engaged, like, with going to all these different countries, like being a part of the sister city? Well, I was in international comparative education. That was my degree was in. Yeah. So, you know, that gave me the opportunity to travel, you know, worldwide. So did you seek out or did they ask you, like, to be a part of that sister cities commission? Well, I'm trying to figure out how I became part of it. I remember Commissioner John Jackson had mentioned it to me. So I went and I and I got on it. So that was back in the nineties. Okay. And so we were able to start some sister cities, one in Ghana mm-hmm. and another sister city, a friendship city in Tanzania and Salaam. And the, and the sister city in Ghana, the Aqua from South District. So I got a chance to to help get those organized. So you travel down there and yeah, make relations? I, I and... travel to Ghana and Tanzania every year. Oh, you do still? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you got uh, friends and people that you've mm-hmm. made over these mm-hmm. last 40, mm-hmm. 50 years, huh? Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. It sounds like you just have such a, a wide range of experiences. You I've know. been lucky. I've been blessed. Uh-huh. Now, you mentioned that you teach here part-time, but you said you also teach at Davenport, too? I did up until the pandemic. Okay. And so after the pandemic, I haven't taught there. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Were you teaching sociology there too? I taught sociology there too. Mm-hmm. Now, do you teach other than intro to sociology? Uh, I know you do the intro to education, uh, but do you teach any like higher level sociology? Yeah, I've, I've taught. Um, uh, it used to be called minority groups, and now it's called uh, race and ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've taught international affairs, intro to African American studies as a sociology course. Okay. Um, at Devonport, I taught uh, diversity courses. Uh, those were all sociology courses. And at Devonport, I taught uh, African-American history as well, too. So, yeah, I've taught a lot of different classes oh, okay. as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's all the things that I'm interested in. I teach Swahili, too. Oh, I didn't know that's that. That's children. You know, I'm not really that fluent in it, but I do teach, especially at... Uh, um, I do, do guest speaking, and I work with a, a community programs that teach Swahili as well, too. Does that program also include the dancers? Uh, yes. Uh, one over at uh, Christ Temple, I think, uh, teach Swahili there every summer. Because you brought a group, I want to say, right before the pandemic for Black History right, Month, month. Mm-hmm. and we had For the dance. Malcolm X yeah. Symposium. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was so nice, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to, um, just how the babies were learning yeah. and they were uh-huh. taking, and you know, just uh-huh. it, it was just good to see. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you've done a lot, and I'm going to ask you this last question: mm-hmm. What's the career highlight you're most proud of? Like, what's some your special contribution or something that you feel that, you know, you will be remembered by or something that just you remember really like this was it? My highlight. I'd say the uh, museum uh, because it illustrates what I've done, you know, internationally, you know. Uh, yeah, I think that would probably be the high point of the achievement of the museum because it encompasses all of Africa and the diaspora, mm. people all over the world. And that's what the museum is. Uh, there's a room for each continent, uh, the African presence in Africa, the African presence in Europe, the African presence in Asia, African presence in North and South America, and the African presence in, did I say Australia? And Australia. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, I'm learning something. So, <laughs> so learning... it encompasses all the whole world. That's why it's all around the African world. Right. Wherever people of African descent are, it illustrates that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Except Antarctica. I don't know. I'm about to see what happens. You going to go I there? Bet, I bet we <laughs> might find some history of, of black people in, in Antarctica. I, I'm sure. You, but, uh, hey. But at least going to visit or something. I know a friend of mine who went, because I've been to the six continents. He's been to all of them. He oh. actually went to Antarctica. I've never been there. Oh, yeah. I don't know that I would I don't think I... I'm not sure I'm going to go. There's no people there, really, except people studying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Davis, I just am so thankful and grateful that you took time to come on Who's That Star today. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate all the things that you've done for the Lansing community, the black Lansing community especially, because you've been a face there and you've always been supportive and you've always been there to teach. And so I definitely wanted to say thank you. Well, and listen, and thank you too. Thank you too for inviting me and thank you for being part of, 
of, of, of my life, and also the grocery store, too. Yes. On the east side. That's right, on the east side. Named after you. So yep. That's my, how I met you. Yep, that's how little we girl. met. <laughs> I was a little kid, and my uh, dad had bought a store on uh, Shepherd and, and Perkins, Perkins. Uh, and it was called Lisa's Grocery. <laughs> and so that's where I first got to know. And he was still... Helping the community then. He was over at the Wash Park doing things and helping students just learn. And so, I again, thank you. And I thank you for other people. Thank you. So, you guys, I'm glad that you got a chance to listen and find out about Dr. Davis. I want you to come back so that you can find out about who's our next star. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Engaged learning and academic success is a priority at Lansing Community College. To help students navigate their educational career, LCC has created a proactive approach to learning and providing students with several academic support services. To find out what's available, visit lcc.edu services. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. On the success scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Definitely now after second semester, my self-confidence is up there. I can do this and I can do this well. Age has nothing to do with it. Like I told you before, I have, the, I have notes from that first meeting and it was take your age out of it. You deserve to be here. You belong here. I'm Dustin Abrego. The Success Scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.
You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. A few years ago, um, the director of our Fine Science Academy uh, approached the marketing department for um, a rebrand. Turns out the fire science logo that they'd been using for many years, it just didn't work. It couldn't embroider well, and it was time for uh, for a refresh. So we worked with them and developed what they currently use, uh, which is the LCC Dynamic Star combined with a Maltese cross. Turned out cool. I mean, we uh, we spent some time on it, and there was multiple levels of refinement, but we arrived at what they uh, what they liked, and it is on everything out there. You know, it's it's badging. T-shirt designs, uh, you know, they have stickers for the vehicles. It's very, very cool, especially given this group because LCC's Fire Science Academy is one of the best of its kind in the nation, and that is no joke. Uh, They're wonderful to work with. Well, what was also included was a a metal sign. Although this isn't really a sculpture, uh, sculpture does intersect with with placemaking, and placemaking intersects with branding, and this is kind of, uh, I'm going a little bit off track here, but it's important, it'll come back around. Um, there was a sign of this logo. It was a, a fabricated out of steel, multi-level thing. I think it was like three feet across that the, uh, the technicians in our uh, tech careers department machined. They machined the, the perfect, you know, the lettering, all of it. It was very, very cool. And it, it was painted professionally and mounted on the wall. And it has, it's great. It's, it's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. Um, interestingly, I found out later that when the grads have their cadet pictures taken, they stand in front of this thing, which I thought was cool too. And it hit me how many times that particular image is going to be seen. And I'm, I'm, I'm basing this on some conversations that occurred early in the process where, you know, why can't we just do a flag? You know, why can't we just do a, a large sticker? on the wall, which would have been fine. It would have been okay. But this thing is something else. I mean, it really makes a statement that we're here and we're going to be here, right? So I'm looking at this, seeing the cadets' pictures, every one of them standing in front of this emblem, this gorgeous, glossy metal thing on the wall. And it struck me from brand equity perspective that how many times is this going to be viewed? This image. I mean, you look at... Uh, family rooms and living rooms and fire station offices are going to be populated with proud pictures of whomever standing in front of this thing, not to mention social media. Um, Very compelling. Oftentimes, you know, you probably know this, but uh, firefighters, police officers, the military are generational occupations. There's a deep commitment to these career paths that exists nowhere else. Maybe no, nowhere else, let's be honest. Um, so it occurred to me that maybe years from now, um, some fire grad is going to be standing in the exact spot that their mother, father, aunt, or uncle stood. And that's pretty cool. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, visit lccconnect.org. Thanks for lending us your imagination.
This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.